Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Peyton Jones for Hardcore Church Planning and my uh, usual uh, big boy ginger haired uh, co-host is not with me right now. He is actually, well, he's where he's supposed to be and I am not. I am in Atlanta, Georgia with the other Jedi uh, church planners, the uh, church planning catalyst for Send North America. So we are in the Baptist Mecca. Um, well, that's actually Alpharetta, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone knows that all Baptists uh, face east every morning and pray towards Alpharetta, Georgia. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like Jerusalem. I wasn't thinking Mecca necessarily. I yeah, was yeah, keeping yeah. it biblical, yeah, you know. Good. That's good. Yeah. But uh, my guest today is a guy I have been wanting to uh, connect with for a long, long time. Uh, kind of share a, a, a funny little story. We're connected uh, in a few uh, weird little ways. We got some spider webs linking us together. But uh, his name is Clint Clifton, and he is uh, up in Washington, D.C. He is doing some amazing things, uh, and I'm going to let him talk a little bit about that. But uh, Clint, welcome onto the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm excited. All right. Well, cool. So uh, Clint, the first thing that normally my compadre does on here is he asks about how you came to faith. And uh, so, you know, we always like to hear that, like to hear uh, how you came to Jesus. At the end of the day, church planning is secondary to the gospel. So, you know, it's, it's a result of, you know, what you're about to describe. Well, Pete, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, so I came to faith in Christ when I was a, a teenager. Um, I grew up in a family that um, would have probably identified themselves as Christians, but didn't go to church, didn't know anything about the Bible, didn't, you know, they were just Christian as opposed to Catholic or Jewish or whatever, you know, sort of. Uh, and uh, handicapped mom, um, parents divorced when I was young, dad's an alcoholic. So yeah, pretty rough upbringing. Had a sister, and and um, and in God's mercy, our our family was broke, and we had to move in with the grandma. And grandma's next door neighbor was a Southern Baptist preacher, and uh, <laughs> he shared the gospel with my stepfather and my mother, and they repented um, when I was probably about ten, and maybe younger than that even maybe eight or something like that. And they started, um, a very slow sanctification process, I mean, <laughs> painfully slow. And, uh, so watching them, you know, uh, you know, fail, if try to follow Jesus and fail, um, 
was painful, you know, and so I it didn't really help my spiritual walk watching that. Um, You're like, and, move over, mom, dad. I'll show you how to follow Jesus. Yeah, it was more like that confirms that Jesus actually isn't real or anything. So you know, that's kind of how I looked at it. <laughs> right. But um, then I started like when I was 14 or 15 years old. I was girl crazy, and there was this really attractive girl that was uh, the daughter of my parents' pastor. And um, so I all of a sudden got interested in going to church because she was there. Now, I'm just doing the math from what you said earlier. Is this a girl next door? So, no, they had changed churches. Oh, okay. Skip that part of the story. But okay. anyway, chasing a girl to church, you know, and, um, and yeah, I, I uh, went to uh, with her to a Dawson McAllister event um, in, in Georgia. <laughs> Like a youth camp. I take it you weren't there for Dawson McAllister. I was not there for Dawson McAllister, but uh, <laughs> the sermon series that week was Death, Hell, and Judgment. And uh, it scared the hell out of me. I mean, yeah. just to be straight, it scared the hell out of me and um, got me to thinking about spiritual things. And I uh, repented that, that week. And um, just immediately this sense of like, uh, I got to use my life for ministry and mm. so I didn't know what that m- meant but I I mean people always you know in, in my world people say when we called the ministry it was like si- simultaneous with my my conversion and uh, Jesus saved me and and I couldn't imagine doing anything else and so from that moment literally I've been just uh, going hard after Christ and uh, he's been good to me and the guy who discipled me right after that was uh, a guy who's really passionate about church planting that pastor the, the girl's dad who I didn't end up. I end up marrying the girl's best friend, actually. Oh, um, yeah, and uh, so she, so so you know, the Lord's good. <laughs> right. On. So yeah, that's that's what happened. The girl's dad mentored me, and he's still a great friend today. And that is still cool. A great mentor. To what me. was his name? His name is Danny Williams, and he's a pastor in Georgia now. And man, just uh, you know, when you you know you ask a lot of guys, hey, who's your favorite pastor preacher, and they're going to say Piper or. Or, or know, Peyton Jones. Or Peyton Jones. Yeah, I, yeah. I've heard that one quite a yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, but, man, Danny Williams is my favorite pastor. He's still my pastor. I love the guy. He's um, he's just a, a big blessing to me. Not funny. The best preacher I ever heard was a guy who discipled me and uh, mentored me. And he was a furniture repairman. Yeah. And no one will ever hear who he is, but the guy was a genius of illustration. Yeah. And he could preach to anybody, anytime, anywhere, never been to seminary. Yeah. You know, just just called to it. Yeah, Danny. I mean, the thing about him is he just had, like if he knew if he knows what God wants him to do, he just does it. Like a simple faith, and so you know, in the world of like once you, I really grew to appreciate that once I met other Christians and pastors because everything's so nuanced and complicated. He was just a guy that's like these people need Jesus. I should tell them, you know, it's just yeah. really, really simple. I mean, so awesome. so, and he just if he thought God wanted to do something, he just went after it. So. Great guy. Great guy. Love him. Uh, so good to hear, man. Well, uh, tell us, so tell us, you know, fill in some of the blanks there. How exactly did you, you hinted at it, that he was passionate about church planning. How did you yourself get involved in church planning? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm 15 years old, brand new Christian, literally become a Christian on Thursday. Sunday morning, I walk the aisle and tell the congregation I become a Christian after church that Sunday, the pastor, this pastor says to me, hey, come back and give your testimony tonight. 
So I come back Sunday night church, give my testimony. While I'm giving my testimony, there's a Christian school principal in the audience. And in my testimony, I said, I, pray for me. I start high school tomorrow. If I go to high school, I'm, I'm afraid I'll fall back into my own pattern. So pr- pray for me. And this Christian school principal said, um, I, uh, if you're really serious about following Jesus and uh, you want to be discipled, then show up at my school tomorrow. Don't go to the public high school. And I said, well, you know, my family, we're kind of poor. There's no way I could do that. And she said, don't worry about that. Just show up. And wow. uh, so literally they paid for all four years of my high school. I was, I was discipled and, and cared for in that school. And uh, yeah, my pastor said, hey, Monday mornings before school, come and meet with me. And so I would go before school and meet with him. And we wow. went through a little Henry Blackaby book called Called and Accountable. And I remember meeting and him saying something like, Christians plant new churches. That's what Christians do. So if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to be involved in starting new churches. <laughs> That's synonymous with making disciples and fulfilling the Great Commission. So, you know, God does his work in the world through churches. So you're going to. Have, so he just kind of. And yeah. so by the time I was 16 or 17, I played the guitar. You know, I knew like four chords. So, so I was awesome. really essential in the church. So he started sending me to church plants. Uh, to lead the worship and uh, one of those churches hired me when I was 17 and uh, so I was 17 and starting churches and I'm mean, starting churches at funeral you know funeral whatever those things are called funeral, funeral homes, homes? Yeah. yeah homes which is weird because no one actually really lives there so I don't you know. <laughs> yeah and uh, you know restaurants um, uh, no community centers yeah yeah that's was, cool man so you guys were doing public space yeah, they were in public space. That's that's pretty cutting. It's pretty first century, man. It is. You know, is kind of one of. The, I know we didn't come here to talk about my childhood and my pastor, but okay. uh, one of the things he did was he said. Um, I remember him saying from the platform, "Hey, um, if you're a man in this congregation and you meet these biblical qualifications, talking about the Timothy and Titus passages, yeah. um, and, unless there's a reason why you shouldn't, you don't want to." You should be trained by me to be a pastor. So if God calls you, you can be ready. No way. And then he would say things like, hey, you know, I noticed there's this building over on the other side of town that's empty. We could, you know, send so-and-so Sunday school class over there. And literally all over our town and community, you know, churches were being planted. And it was, it was, it was, I've never so, seen anything so like it. Actually. He, he would, so there's, uh, for me now, right, um, there's the apostolic guy and he's the church planner, but to me, there seems to be two different types, right? There's a guy like me where I go out, you yeah. know, I, I, I'm a serial church planner. Yeah, if you, I plant once, I'll strike yeah. again, move on, yeah. you know, preach the gospel, raise up leadership, get the heck out of Dodge. Then there's your sender, yeah. right? You're your, your, your sending apostle. And, and in a weird way, guys like Spurgeon and Lloyd-Jones, if you look at Absolutely, what came out of man. those guys' churches, man. so, you know, already your pastor in a, who's now in Atlanta, he sounds like a sending apostle. Yeah, he's never planted a church himself, but because of his ministry, I would guess hundreds of churches are planted. Holy cow. Um, and How he's cool. never pastored probably more than like 500 people at one time, wow. uh, but just a tremendous, a tremendous he keeps ministry, getting rid of man. Him. Yeah, he, he's, he's, <laughs> a, he's a real, you know, we talk about, I, I you know, you use the terms a hub model or a linear model, you know, to talk about those two things. And, and he was definitely a hub guy and, um, and I seek to be that as well. So, yeah. Very cool, man. Very cool. So let's, let's talk now about the pillar uh, churches. Um, do you call it the pillar initiative? What no, it called? so it's called the Praetorian Project. Okay, and so what? Ha- uh, I mean, the the short of it is, I was a. Uh, uh, 
I didn't really know because of my context that I just explained to you. I didn't really know that per- church planting was something you could do professionally. All the people I knew that church planted did it, you know, as a side gig. So I went to Bible college and seminary and got music degrees and was interested in music and figured I could make money teaching music. And just in my mind, I didn't think anybody could make money church planting. I didn't think it was a thing. I didn't think anybody paid for yeah. that. You know, all the guys I knew who were doing it were not getting paid for it. So, right. so um, it was kind of, you know, a surprise to me later on to find out, oh, this is a job. People people have a job where they do this. And uh, so I did the music thing. I got a master's degree in music and, and started leading worship in churches. And But just planned to kind of on the side. I don't even know what I was thinking. I was just thinking like on the side, I'll start churches or something. I don't yeah. know. But, but uh, yeah, so that's that's how, how I got it kind of engaged. And I was working as a music pastor after seminary at this church in Virginia, in Stafford, Virginia, Stafford Baptist Churches, uh, you know, a church of like three or four hundred. And uh, right next, bumped up right next to Quantico Marine Corps Base on the south side. And I'd never met anybody really in the military till I started working in that church. And I started realizing, man, these Marines are legit. I mean, they are. They love Christ. They are passionate. They're disciplined. They were they were the best Christians I had ever met mm. in terms of just like a, a bulk of Christians that did regular jobs. Right. Um, and and then every other Marine I'd meet was an absolute reprobate. You know. So yeah. it was either there's no like mediocre Christian <laughs> Marines. And so that that kind of whole situation was stirring me. And God was calling me to plant a church in that time, and and I was being stirred about that. And I remember sitting in my uh, spare bedroom reading out of Philippians chapter one about the Praetorian, uh, the Praetorian guard and uh, Paul saying that the gospel spread, spread throughout the Praetorian guard. And that had been, um, that had been, you know, the purpose of his imprisonment essentially. And man, I just thought I had the thought. It was just, it was just a moment like Marines are kind of like Praetorian guards. Mm. And, uh, and what if I shackled myself to these guys? And just spent my life. They're moving around already. There, the, all this movement's happening. And uh, I had recently met these two guys, Caleb Kreider and Larry McCrary. They're they're uh, European church yeah, planning guys. Upstream, upstream, yeah, yeah. And they're they're awesome. So yeah, spent- we'll give them a shout out real quick. Um, those two guys, Larry McCrary and Caleb Kreider, have written some fantastic uh, stuff. It's from a European context, but while we mention them. Um, Upstream Collective, and uh, they recently changed their name, I think. But you can Google them, and uh, yeah, they they, 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 have, they, they have an initiative that's called something else. It's okay. called Skybridge. Skybridge. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, good yeah. guys. If you guys uh, check them out, uh, you find that guys who train you for Europe are really training you. Uh, not for church planning today, but church planning very for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like going into a time machine. Yeah. So those guys, they were talking, Caleb, I remember sitting in Barcelona with Caleb and him talking about um, bringing the gospel into the soccer mom's, you know, network and instead of building and, you know, sharing the gospel and then putting people together, going into groups of people where relationships are already built and inserting the gospel in there. Right. And that's kind of their shtick, you know, that, that, that they're passionate about that kind of idea and and I started thinking about that in my context with the military guys, and I was like, if I can get the gospel in there with those already, they have these well-worn paths where they're already um, planting at, at uh, or they're already moving to other bases, the same bases all the mm-hmm. time. And then they're going to retire and get this, you know, after 20 years, they're still young. They're going to go back to their hometowns or wherever they want to go. And I just thought, I just started seeing, I mean, like I could see the potential. And I thought, 
certainly somebody else has thought of this and done this and I and I just couldn't find anybody and so it, that started stirring in me and became the Praetorian Project, which mm-hmm. uh, an effort to start a new church at every Marine Corps base around the world and then network those churches together uh, so that as Marines move from duty station to duty station, their Christian growth and maturity can continue, not just in a parachurch sort of nav sort of yeah. uh, discipleship kind of way, but in the local church. Plus, I felt like the, um, the gospel grit to the chaplaincy is questionable depending on what chaplains are where. And so um, I love local churches, want local churches to be near bases, think chaplains have great access and sometimes have great ministry. So uh, long story short, planted my life there. Um, I, you know, I'm a guy that didn't have any qualifications to be at a Marine Corps base, but but began working there. Yeah. You know, and, and what's cool, just to fill our listeners in a bit, if, if you've never been in a military town, I mean, like right now I go to church in Oceanside, and there's a funny connection on this actually, um, but uh, I go to church in Oceanside, and so at this church, people are constantly, you'll get to know people at church and they got to move away. They're going to Okinawa, or they're moving to North Carolina, and so you'll, you'll get to know them, and they'll just start to get grounded into the church, like Clint said, and then they get deployed, or they get sent somewhere else, and they lose their whole community support system. And what happens on the other side is they have to look for a church. And if you've ever been looking for a church, you know that that's a process that can take weeks, months. And, uh, and so having a family of church that's specifically aimed towards military where you can move uh, from city to city, I'm, and, and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you know there's a you know there's a Praetorian Project church there on the other side, you know of where I'm going because that's what you guys do. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is a huge thing, and I, I like you know I liked how you said that you know their Christian growth doesn't go on hold. Yeah. They're right back into a community yeah. and, you know, they're able to do what they do. And they've got the same, you guys have a mission focus. Tell me, a, tell me a little bit more about, you know, do you, are you kind of seeding them when they come? Are you following your sending pastors model and training them up? So if they go to the next station that maybe where you don't have a church there, are you kind of training them and yeah. seeding them to plant when they get there? Well, more the way we would do that is um, at when we see Marines and, and really other people in our church, and not only Marines, when we see guys coming alive in the gospel and see leadership capacity in them. And Quantico is an officer-heavy base. We've got a lot of great leaders um, on their own right, not, not even talking about their walk with Christ. And as they grow in Christ, um, if we see God, you know, displaying pastoral giftings in them. If they're doing sort of naturally the things pastors are supposed to do, um, then usually one of us will go to them and say, Hey, look, we see some giftings in you. Can we, will you let me foster those gifts and let me uh, prepare you so that if, if in the future God were to use you or put you in a place where there was a need for a new church, you would have the, the capabilities to pull that off. And then we just kind of set usually what happens then those guys, as they're going, going through the process of being mentored and discipled, they'll say, man, God's burdened me for, for Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, or for Camp mm. Pendleton, California, for 29 Palms or Kaneohe Bay or, or Camp Foster or wherever that place might be. And we say, okay, you know, put you know put our hands on on them put their hands to the plow pray for orders to that duty station and then we'll say to our members in all the churches hey guys if you can get 
orders over to to uh, you know K Bay right now, you should try to do that because Johnny Griffith is going to be going over there and planting a church, and uh, he's going to he's going to be boots on the ground January. So mm. try to get there by then if you can, you know that kind of thing. So I mean, literally this this week, uh, a family who's been a member of two of the churches just got landed in Okinawa where we'll be planting um, after the first of the year. So awesome. just just you know, movements by the Marine Corps. We don't have control over them, yeah. but we can certainly ask for certain locations and places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gives such meaning to the members of our church because they then, the members can actually realign themselves to go to the, the places where we need new churches. It's great. Um, and do something significant, even though they're not sort of pastoral or leaders in the church, they still have a significant role to play. And so some of them were able to get, you know, five, six, seven families to a place before we launched. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, what year did you guys start this Praetorian project and how many church, how many locations are you at right now? Yeah. So um, our the whole thing is uh, we started in 2005 and then our first plant at another military base. We had done some other planting, um, but our first plant at another Marine Corps base was in 2010. Then, uh, but now we're seven churches and uh, just got, just about to get boots on the ground for church number And the eight. best one is in Oceanside. The best one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, well, the, the uh, I definitely will say we got some incredibly sharp guys over there. Yeah. So, so it's a funny story. I'm going to tell it now. Um, I go to a church right now. I work with a group of guys, a generation in Oceanside, and we were looking for a church because I was pulling back from Refuge Long Beach and I got kids now. And so the cereal planter thing could be hard on a family. So my wife said, look, let's just find a base, particularly because right then I didn't feel God telling me to plan. Little did I know what he hadn't planned, you know, planned or in store and here we are you know and uh but you know i i just started going well one of the guys who was coming through new breed um, which is a network i run uh he said well i'm going to this church called generation they're really into church planning so i go there and trace who along with a guy named john was planning the oceanside church plant um just says up front there uh Hey, we're a church planning church here, and we're just saying they made a big deal about the fact they're gonna. That was their last Sunday. They were breaking away. They were planting, and uh, and I looked at my wife and said, "This is a cool church. Let's stay here. Yeah. I think we found home." And uh, so that that was one way we we're connected. Yeah. Plus, I was born in DC. So. Yeah, yeah. Plus, yeah, we're yeah, both yeah. bald. We're both bald. Yeah, and good looking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of us. Uh, so yes, that was me. I'm. I am good looking. No, I, one of us, I was talking about you. Yeah, for sure. Um, you got that rugged, just being awkward. You got that rugged kind of look going on. Uh, yeah. So yeah, those guys, yeah. Um, you mentioned generation church and Chris Martinez and, and Jared Ocelier over there. Those guys, man, they have been, they've been the most incredible blessing to us just as a church that showed a kingdom kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I met them and said, Hey, we want to come to your town and plant a church. You know, essentially it has the same beliefs as you and just kind of right down the street from you. And they said, please let us help you, you know. Yeah. And then I said, well, you know, that's going to be named 
pillar and there's no please let us help you so they did and they gave us their best guy i mean they gave us their like awesome. you know uh, the guy that was doing the most leading and the most uh, you know just a great family and and it's worked out tremendous and they displayed some some humility and, and kingdom heartedness that i haven't seen uh very mm. often yeah so um if if somebody and you know it's 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 pretty cool man because this is such a cool vision um, if our listeners are are hearing this and they're getting sparked a bit, um, do they have to have had military background to plant one of these churches? Well, that's a great question. The answer is no. I don't have any military background, and so it'd be a little hypocritical for me to say, as the guy who started the whole thing, you know, uh, yeah, you have to have military background. I will say everybody except for me and and uh, Colby Garman, who I co-pastor with now, um, everybody else is planted as an active duty or veteran marine um and uh by the way now we got we've got one church plant at an army base now too so we are branching a little bit um but with with that said no it's it's kind of the norm but no right right are are there plans to branch out into the other branches you know we've made a, a a sort of plan not to make plans yeah. Um, we we didn't have plans. Our, our our sort of mission statement is to plant a church at every Marine Corps base in the world. And then we had a, a guy in the Army in our church who said, God's calling me to plant a church in an Army base. And we it kind of like short-circuited us. We're like, that's not part of the plan, though. You know, <laughs> maybe plant in a Marine Corps base. And he's like, no, I, I want to plant an Army base. And so, so we, you know, what do you do in that case? You say, Lord, this is your work and you brought this up and you've, so, I mean, what do you do? You just say, yeah. Jesus is your thing? I, I don't yeah. know. You know. For me to try to engineer it on the front end and make God work within my engineering scheme is kind of kooky anyway, right? So uh, what what are some of the ones that are really burning on your heart right now as far as bases are like, we don't got a guy. So for me, right, like there's a place called Stanton, California. Yeah. That's like, that's my Rome. Yeah. That's right? When Rome. someone plants in Stanton, California, it's the armpit of Orange County. Yeah. I can die. Yeah. And uh, what what are some places right now that are on your radar that you're just going, man, Lord, really send somebody there? Yeah. Um, yeah, may, maybe we're different in that I don't think quite like that um, as much. But I, I do have some places that I would really like to see. Yeah. Uh, 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 29 Palms, California, Yuma, Arizona, other Marine Corps bases where there's nothing going on right now. And I feel like there's a need for gospel yeah. work. Um, I'm, I'm ex- incredibly excited that we have people on the ground in, in both Okinawa and in, in Kaneohe Bay, but those churches aren't planted yet. So I'm still praying by God's grace that he would breathe life into a church there and bring it, you know, draw it out. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, those would be the places that come to mind initially. Um, but I, you know, really what was so significant to me was when I was called into church planning, when God when God burned a place into my heart. So I kind of don't want to impose that on the guys that I'm working with. Mm. I would much rather see them say, no, this is the place. It, funny story that the, the church we're planting in, in uh, Hawaii right now, mm. the guy, I mean, I don't think he'd be offended if I said this. He's from South Georgia. He's a redneck. I mean, he's a redneck. So we had two places on our radar. Uh, well, we had really, I mean, in my mind, he was going to the, the Marine Corps base in Georgia. Right. That may, that's the only thing that makes sense yeah. for this guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was kind of from that area. It just made perfect sense. Uh, 
Uh, I'm sorry. He's from Georgia to go to the Marine Corps base in Beaufort, yeah. South Carolina. Right. Uh, Paris Island. Forgive me. I said Georgia. He's uh, so so. I was like, that made sense. He went there and visited it, and uh, he said, "Man, I think we should. I think we might should go to Hawaii." And I and I was really like, "Ah, oh, no, I don't think that's gonna work." I've been there. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think everybody you, feels called to yeah, Hawaii, yeah. brother. <laughs> I was just like, I don't think it's a fit, you know, and. Uh, but you know he was so he was so stirred that that's what God was calling him his family to, and you know who am I standing in the way of that? And uh, I and I and every other front his character his his faith he's godly he loves Jesus he's sensitive to the Spirit. Who am I to say? You know? Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. we rolled with it and he's there, and by God's grace he's doing a great job. Awesome man, awesome. Well, look, uh, we're, we're running out of time. I, I got two more questions for you. Um, first one is what advice do you give to the young up and coming church planners? Yeah. Okay. So this is good. Cause I, I've just, I, I've given a lot of advice over the, I've been doing this for like, uh, you know, since I was 17, been involved in church planting and, uh, I've given a lot of advice. I think some of the advice I've given is pretty bad, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm settled on one the last couple of years that I feel like is really great advice. And this is this is it. So you ready? Pause for dramatic. Yeah, effect. dramatic. Yeah, I wish I had sound effects. We can edit those in, just like we can edit Pete back in. That uh, that would be good if we would edit Pete in, because I feel like I'm getting like half a deal here. Yeah, like, yeah, you are, man. You um, get you get the poor man's podcast. Oh man. Anyway, here, so my advice would be, and it's not so much advice as it is uh, me saying what I think makes a successful church planter. It's tenacity, man. It's just don't give up. Just don't give up. I think people give up way too early. Yeah. I think people have high expectations. They get discouraged really easily and they give up. And, you know, you can take two guys. I, I remember having a lunch that, or, uh, yeah, like one day I met with two different guys that were going to plant churches. I asked them both the same question. If you were to be 75 people a year from now, what would you do? And the first guy says... I would thank the Lord for 75 souls that were entrusted to me and I would pledge on, you know, I'd trudge on. And the second guy said, I quit, you know, and, uh, you know, I just think like, that's really the issue. Like, the, the issue is us deciding for God what he's going to do with our life ahead of time. Yeah. I think it's tenacity. I think you go in, you put your hand to the plow and you do not look back. You continue to work until until you're called away. I think people giving up because of discouragement or lack of funds is just, just not. Yeah. So my advice is don't quit. Like go like higher commitment, Amen. lower competency. <laughs> Amen, man. I, I, I agree. The number one, I say the same thing. I use the term endurance, but the same thing, man, that that is, that is the thing that makes the biggest difference. So, okay. So our last question and uh, I'm blanking out on who he said that uh, you were going to fight. But if you were to get into a physical fist fight and you fill in the blank with me, because I blanked out. Yeah, I I said initially, Mother Teresa, and I kind of want to go back to that one. I know she's not really a church planting figure. Yeah. But we settled on Mark Dever because he's right. in D.C. with me. That's right. And, uh, but and, and a lot of people know him. People know Mother Teresa, but we did have one other podcast podcast guest mention her, and then we argued that she could kick his butt because I actually think she's pretty tough. Well, the reason I chose her is because I, she's about the only figure in religious life that I'm confident I could sweep. You know, <laughs> so um, yeah, she's like three foot nine or whatever, and and, and you know, so what? Uh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, Mark is, Mark is, he's, uh, he's, uh, 
good with words, but I don't know about fists, really. Yeah, so. yeah he's, he's much time amongst the books, yeah. little time with the weights, I would guess. I think so, I think so. Yeah. But me, you know, uh, me, I would be little time with the books, little time with the weights, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on, so, but lots yeah. of time doing kung fu in your head. Kung fu in my head. What yeah. do you think, because I, I, my, my guess is that Mark... Uh, you know, he would probably fight a little dirty. He's nice and he's kind. Yeah. But uh, he'd whip out a little, you know, kind of dirty move on you and, you know, try to take you out on the slide. You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think uh, I think Mark is, is a really, I, I think of him as a guy that people perceive as tough, but yeah. he's really very nice. Yeah. He's one of the nicest men I know. Do you know think his that. niceness might be his undoing? He would go to hit you really hard, but he'd be like, "Yeah, it could you be. know, it could be." And then that would be his moment of weakness. Where I mean, you if, would you would strike hard if there if the stakes were high enough, and I had to fight. You know, I could I could I could take it. I out. dig it. I dig it. If you had to save Mother Teresa from him, what then? What if we were talking about the evil robot, the evil twin robot Mark Dever, hmm. who was about to kill Mother Teresa? Then what would you do? Oh, man, that's I, I. You know, I. What would your secret power move be? Uh, do you have I, a secret? Power I, move? I don't. I don't. And I've never even contemplated such lofty things. So <laughs> it's hard for me to answer questions like well, this. Well, you know, we'll probably have you back on the podcast in the future, and uh, that'd be something to think about. Okay, I'll pray about that. I'll yeah, think about yeah, it'd be something. It'd be something it. to meditate on. Yes, you know, meditation yes. is underrated. And uh, there we go. Well, hey guys, thanks for joining us. My guest today has been Clint Clifton. Clint, if they want to find you online and mm. if they want to connect with you, maybe there's some guys that, that they're just perfectly suited for this. How do they find you? Where do they go? Yeah, uh, praetorianproject.org. You'll find a bunch of videos and all kinds of information about the Praetorian Project. I'm also on the uh, Twitter at uh, Clint J. Clifton, so you can find me there. And uh this wasn't mentioned, but I'm I'm the uh, city missionary for the North American Mission Board as well uh, for Washington D.C. I oversee the church planning efforts in Washington D.C. Awesome, man! And the reason I didn't announce it is I couldn't remember if you were a catalyst or a city missionary. Hey, so right here, man, I put it right here for you. So city, <laughs> I don't even know what those initials mean. <laughs> but uh, the other thing about Clint that you need to know is he actually has a podcast, and this is the first way I found him before I knew he was connected to the Praetorian Project. His podcast is very good, um, and what's the name of it? Well, I really wanted to call it the Church Planting Podcast, but that oh, man. was... It was taken. It was taken, yeah. so I called it the Church Planter Podcast. Right on. <laughs> no, wait, wait. It's the opposite. We're the church. Oh, planner, I did it. What church a, I don't even know what my podcast. own is. Whatever the opposite of yours is, that's what but, I did. But to give him a shout out on that, um, his topics are phenomenal. Definitely worth a look. Um, go over and check that out. So, Clint, it's been an honor to have you on here as a fellow podcaster, fellow church planner, and uh, a city missionary of D.C., the murder capital. Hats <laughs> off to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. That's hardcore. And Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.